It's ends late another episode. We have a we have a jingle now. That yeah. Mong created, did you hear it? No, that Mong created, and he he made our end slate so echoey that it became our own stinger. Oh. Yes, we should, right. we should do our I know we should do our ASMR episode. Soft, yeah. Well, I'm so. eating a donut, so I can chew. Soft. This is Mel eating her. If you if you crinkle drink. the paper, yeah. is that considered <laughs> ASMR? Yeah. Can we hear you chewing? Chewing the chocolate. Okay. So uh, we have a fun episode today. We're gonna just talk about random stuff, um, stuff we saw on Cinema One originals, and yes. um, stuff we saw on the platforms, most notably Netflix. The plats on the, on the plats, and then um, yeah, we're gonna have an interview with Isabel Sandoval, director of Lingua Franca. Yeah. And yeah. lastly, our recommendations for what to see in November, because November is the start of. I guess award season, so a lot of the heavies are coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do you want to start with? Um, Your world cinema. Okay, world cinema. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Cinema One has Cinema One Originals Festival has begun in full swing, and it's until the seventeenth, I think. Yeah. So by the time you listen to this, it's still gonna be out. Yeah. Um, where Rock, where is well, it happening? Plant, okay. um, man, uh, yeah, Ayala, Manila Bay, Bay. Trinoma, Glorieta. Some of the micro cinemas also. Mm-hmm. Black Maria <laughs> Cinema 76. They also added today SM Manila and Mega Mall. And one in Evia Mall in the south. Oh, really? wow. I, wow. I saw it in the, cool, in the cool. site. Good work. Good work, Ronald and team. So, um, wow. the opening inclusive, film. Inclusive. <laughs> yeah. All zip code included. included. The opening film was uh, The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. <laughs> Robert Eggers' follow up to The Witch. You like my lobster, says I. <laughs> Why do you spill How your did beans? You understand? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my backgrounder on the movie. It's a black and white. Um, cosmic cosmic horror. horror claustrophobic. That's how they describe it, nga, no? Cosmic horror. I don't well, even know what cosmic horror means. It what does that means mean? the world's against you, basically. Oh, okay. No matter what you do, it's a bit like mm-hmm. Uzumaki or, mm-hmm. or or Ringo, na parang okay, na parang ada. Yeah. Eh, yung mga ano, Rosemary's Baby na parang no, conspiracy. That's more occult, eh. Okay. But yung mga conspiracy counted by yun, yung mga the ten paranoid thriller. I'm not sure. Okay. But yeah, it's and it's very like much like the the witch. Um, it's it's told in a different language. Um, well, well old, an, old, 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 an old, old New England English, which is funny because Pattinson doesn't speak in that dialect. It's yeah. it's although um, he is English, yeah, he's like uh, from Brooklyn. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, we never said that. Like like he says, he does that a lot. He does, he affects the Brooklyn accent. So he's but, still speaking as if he's in he's in good time. Yeah, yeah, basically. He's almost in good time set. Mm-hmm. And but but which is great. Then then the focus to like fully you yeah. know make the Willem flag kind fly. of is amazing in this. Mm-hmm. They're both really good, but Willem has at least three monologues that are just <laughs> amazingly long, well acted. Eloquent tongue twisters. Yeah, I mean, alliterative talaga. Yeah. Eh, no? um, I mean, Eggers, the director Robert Eggers, really, and writer director, parang she's showing off, man. He's <laughs> definitely showing off. He it's a follow up, not right. Yeah, he co-wrote this with his brother, and they mm-hmm. really used the like, texts from the era to really come up with uh, a lot of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Is it an original script or based on? It's an original novel? script. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it more for horror fans? Old English fan. It, it, it's like a film that is instantly a midnight screening movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like a cult film, definitely. And it's a no, but 
Have you seen Eraserhead? It's horror yeah. in the way Eraserhead yeah. is, I guess. It's not like scary. It's not scary. It's not jump scare. Mm-mm. Yeah. But it kind of stays with you. Um, you know, keeps Dude, you awake a at night a little. Dread, <laughs> but there's also like sudden flashes of humor. Yeah. There's, there's a big Lebowski riff there. Which one? The... Where he goes to throw something and <laughs> <it> just goes... <laughs> And then um, the, yeah, there's a very one of my favorite shots is actually you know he um, kills a seagull. That's not a spoiler, is it? Like, well, you I just said it. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. Violently kills a yeah. bird, basically, um, and uh, and it's a very graphic and it's very, but um, but it's also kind of like funny, funny. and it, awkward. It, it, it starts as horrific. Mm-hmm. And then it keeps going so long. <laughs> but it starts becoming funny. Na. Yeah. It's that kind of humor also. Is it a two-person movie? or there Basically, other... it okay. is. And is it a... It's it... about the horror of not being... Or, or like having a really awful roommate. Mm-mm. And completely set in the lighthouse. They Basically, don't go out yeah. of it. Well, it's an island. It's a remote okay. island. Mm-mm. So, yeah. And there are some... like It's not just the two of them. Uh, there are some other actors playing other small moments but yeah. um yeah it, i mean for all sakes and purposes it's it's really a two two person it's refreshing mm. also to finally see it because i felt like film twitter has already spoiled oh, yeah. a bunch the, of it like there's, mm, there's a lot while of watching i was like oh this is that meme and then oh this is that other meme oh <laughs> but the sound design is amazing mm-hmm what are its Oscar chances? Because now on film Twitter, I think it's so. I lauded. think Willem has a good chance of being nominated for the second year in a row, at least. Supporting third, isn't it third? Nah. Maybe even go best nah. Best nah, no. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, Wait, was, best what, what, was no. He was Florida. Florida mm, project. Florida, but he was also mm. nominated for uh, last Sunday. The, no, the one where he played Vincent Van Gogh, last year. Oh. Yeah. Mm. The the. So name? second best actor. Nom. What do you mean hmm. second best? Like supporting? <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah. I think he, I think he would be a best actor here. Cause, uh, what about I mean, just how dare they? Yeah, I mean, who, yeah. Which guy is gonna take the, you know, the demotion to supporting <laughs> the other person? Yeah. But wait, I want to talk about Pat's career now. It's so different from how it started as a Twilight pinup. Well, mm-hmm. but after Twilight, but yeah, annoying. yeah, I it's think always been good. No, yeah, he was lucky, right? I mean, his first sort of big break was Harry Potter, right? And then, mm-hmm. right, and then he took Twilight. I think just as a sort of career move, eh? when you were starting out, and then, make but money. once, yeah, but once he did Twilight and was punished for that <laughs> by being in very successful movies, but mm-hmm. you know, he basically knows that oh, I'm gonna get royalty checks for this from the, for the rest of my life. Yeah. I can now choose what you know. Mm-hmm. I can be more risky with my. Choices, and then he did, did a bunch of David Cronenberg's. Mm-hmm. He he's done some yeah. movies with A twenty four already. With Good Time, High mm-hmm. Life. Yeah, and then now he's like, well, now he's swerving sort of back, right? because he's going to be in the next Christopher Nolan, and he's going to be Batman. <laughs> so he's going to be back in the mainstream in a big way. But right. but yeah, everyone was like, oh, how dare they make Pattinson Batman? It's like, but he's yeah, he's obviously you have not seen any other Pattinson yeah. film aside from Twilight. you know Goblet of Fire and the Twilight films. Right, but right. He's an excellent actor. Yeah, good, um, good time. You watch Good Time. <laughs> and then he based now his Batman, he's basing his Batman voice on, on, no? William Dafoe, on William Dafoe. Which is why I'm so excited now for Batman. <laughs> oh my, so it's like high pitch? No, I know. Because voice is a little I think he's just being pitch. Mimi. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, super. That that guy is, is great. Except maybe in... 
a film we're about to talk about. <laughs> or should we? Should we? Which one? Do, yeah. No, the he's king. great. He's <laughs> well, great. No, it feels he's... like an SNL skit. Oh, that's my so thing good. about. Yeah, like him and the it's king. He's me. my favorite okay, thing okay. in the king. Okay, the second movie you guys watched was Portrait of a Lady, which is like the non. Well, the I, I saw that. Film it, yeah. entry yeah. of of France. The and what? they didn't uh, make it. Yeah, I'm, I was surprised. What did though? I'm I'm not sure. But but they I'm, didn't pick that. This one. one I feel like probably should have been. It's so French. It's so art film. <laughs> There's no score, but it's great. It's Celine Siama. I'm not sure how to pronounce exactly, mm. but yeah, it's a really like it won best screenplay at Cannes, and you can sort of see why it's so controlled. In a way, it sort of reminded me of In the Mood also. There's like a lot of shots of longing and, you know. What was the story? Is it like, I, so all I know is it's a lesbian love story? Is that right? Sort of, yeah. I mean, sure. But, but I mean, so there's like uh, this uh, wealthy daughter or I, guess, I suppose a sort of heiress. And then she is to wed uh, a rich man in Milan. And there is a portraitist commission to paint her portrait to present to the man in Milan and then if he likes the portrait then he'll marry her so they need to you know uh, but she refuses she's against this marriage so she doesn't want to sit or pose so she already got rid of uh, one painter and then this new painter who is a, a lady they don't know that she doesn't know she's not told that she's a painter and that she's here to paint the portrait so she's under the just the, under the guise of like someone to just accompany her on walks. So she has to kind of steal glances and looks, etc. And then they get to know each other. And then, yeah, so it's a very, how do I say that? It's a very, it's a lot of restraint. <laughs> and it's part of the piano. Extremely controlled. Yeah, there's just a slow burn. But it's also, yeah, it's really, I, I, there's two pieces of music that, what, what do you call it yung in, in the story lang? Yung, uh, yung diegetic, in, um, no, diegetic music. Mm-hmm. Two, two instances that become so effective because there's no score throughout, mm-hmm. any, any, throughout all of it. Okay. Uh, you didn't see it. I didn't see it. But I'm planning but to yeah, catch it. But yeah, mm-hmm. these are all films that you can still catch mm-hmm. as part of Cinema One Originals. The other yeah. one I caught was um, Hirokazu Koreeda's The mm-hmm. Truth. So his first film. Koreeda doing a French movie. Yeah. So his first <laughs> film since winning the Palme d'Or. Last for, year, yeah. for shoplifters. Yes, and then he, I guess, hopefully, I, 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 my, my story that I hope happened is he just met all these people at the Cannes Film Festival. He was like, "I'm doing a movie, be in it." So he got. <laughs> so it's. So it was Catherine Deneuve, Juliette Binoche, Ethan Hawke. Um, it was a bit bittersweet there because oh. um, Catherine Deneuve was just hospitalized this week, right? For what? She she wasn't feeling well, eh? and then she was brought to the hospital. So. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. But uh, yeah. Was but this a Cannes film? No. I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, I liked it. It didn't feel, it felt it's so French. Like it was mm-hmm. hard to parse which parts are really like, oh, this is why he wanted to do this. But mm-hmm. the handling of the relationships and uh, was really deft. And Deneuve is great. Binoche is great. Even... Yeah, Ethan Hawke actually is like supporting Lang. He's he's the husband. He's the American TV actor husband of Juliet. So he's not in all the scenes, but he's also really good in them. Is it like misery porn? <laughs> like no, actually, it's it's, it's it's more of like 
really strained, very mommy issues. Like this mom basically neglected Juliette Binoche Mm-mm. as a mother her whole life. And then now she like sort of needs help because she's in the twilight of her career. And then she just put out this memoir that's apparently all fake. And then galit na galit si Binoche because it's like, why are you painting this pic- happy picture of childhood that was completely the opposite of my childhood? Mm. Mm. Very good. So, I enjoyed it. And then Matthias and Maxine. Yeah. No? Yeah. Uh, when you save your Dolan. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that he's only 30 and this is his eighth yeah. film. Grabe, no? And then I know he won like two or yeah, Palm Doors or whatever Already? before the age of 25. Wow. wow. And, then he was in, and then he's an actor. Pa. He was mm-hmm. in It Chapter 2 earlier mm-hmm. this year. And he played uh, no, Maxime M. Yes. X. <laughs> he played Maxim, mm-hmm. and what, what did you think? I mean, we we got to watch this together. Yeah, no, I I thought I know. Uh, I I really love the beginning. The first twenty five minutes mm-hmm. are spectacular. Parang ay talo talo yung ano call call me by your name. Ganon yung feeling first. No. And then the no even I know which I loved. Um, Blue's the warmest color. Parang that's his, right? Uh no, it's not. Ah, oh, it's um, not. But. This one felt like it really felt like you're in a party, mm-hmm. right? like like you're actually yeah, like mingling a, with these people. Or talking, uh, yeah, and <laughs> they, they did a Bane impersonation yeah, yeah. out of nowhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, yeah, it really felt super real. It really felt like they were all friends, mm. um, and then kind of like you know, like Dolan always eventually becomes his worst enemy, right? Parang, um, he overstays his welcome. Mm-hmm. Usually it's long. It's all, all like I love all of his movies, but there's a point talaga na, can you please cut this no, film yeah. down? Why, why are we seeing this? Uh, no, and ano yun pala, I, you know you can see in the end credits he edits pala all his films. Yeah, and that's always his problem. So mga. he's pretty much overworked and has no outside opinion mm-hmm. outside of his. Diba? Yeah, or, uh, or control Lawrence, free Anyways, time. heartbeats they're all like super long, and um, this suffers the same thing. But even worse. The ending is very Sixteen Candles. It it feels yeah. like it, it's from a different film. I remember Sixteen Candles yeah. ending. But the you know, basic premise is, um, you know, is all this barcada hangout. No. And then the sister of one of them is making a film and the two of her actors flake. And she, she asks two people from the barcada, can you fill in? Okay. Um, okay. And, and so they say yes, but the scene is a make-out scene. So they, they make out. Uh-huh. And then, but they the, don't the even show the that movie, they cut yeah. away, yeah. and then it becomes like aftermath. Yeah. So the rest of the movie is basically one of them, Maxim, is um, moving to Australia, yeah. and basically the two dealing with, you know, maybe their awakened discovery feelings <laughs> after that, oh. after the makeout scene. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I I found it unfocused nga. and then uh, mm. I also that same problem that you know like why are we seeing there's so many scenes that I was like why is this here like <laughs> how will this pay off later on mm. like uh, because a lot of it was just um, Matthias's sort of self-loathing in a way mm. Maxim's Maxim had his own problems but it didn't feel super tied into the rest of the film and then there's something that it's a two-hour film something happens 90 minutes in that i feel with other filmmakers this would have been the inciting incident of the first act mm. or the or the final part and then the, the story can really begin but for him it, it took so long to get there and i was like we all knew that we were going to get to this point sana, sana we got here earlier 
and then explored what's happening after that. And then nothing happened after anyway, right? Right, <laughs> because it becomes that, that weird John Hughes ending. And then there's also the, the, there's also a point where I was like, where what what story is he trying to tell? There's a part where Maxim is like at a bus stop, and then someone's staring at him. Mm-hmm. And then there's another, and then he's on the bus, and then another gay guy is like giving him looks. And I was like. <laughs> Are they gonna reveal that the student film went viral and then he's being recognized? <laughs> but Mm-mm. no, and then Mm-mm. nothing happens with those with those two scenes. Mm-mm. It's never followed up on. No one else stares Mm-mm. at him. It's never it's never explained. So, parang eh, the problem is Savior plays Maxim. So, like, are you just saying you're that hot Mm-mm. in this in this one scene? Now everyone's checking though. him out. Yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. But, but but in in the context, I was like, what's this scene for? Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen. Um, a Xavier Dolan film since Mommy, I think. Oh, so yeah, he made two films pala after that yeah, already. Yeah. So, Although, uh, yeah, 2014 mm, yung Mommy, diba? Diba? So, mm. parang... Probably those, sick, pero yeah. overworked. Yeah. And ano, parang more or less samey na mm. talaga. Na, yung very hipster. Maganda yung soundtrack, though. Gotta give yeah, it to. Yeah, always very, you know. So between mm-hmm. the three, if you were to recommend one movie out of the three foreign films that you guys saw... Lighthouse, I mean, Lighthouse and Portrait. Although I also like The Truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But the the ones to catch, talaga. If you yeah. if you have, must. If, okay. Yeah. If you like really only have limited time, then I would say Lighthouse and Portrait. Because I think it, it does have an no, Oscar buzz as best picture also. Or no. Lighthouse. More, I think. Right from what I see, it's more acting. More acting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And screenplay. Uh-huh. I don't think. The Academy is ready for is that. It's ready for like <laughs> the lighthouse as best picture. Wait, and you also saw Tia Madre. Yeah, which is great. I mean, it it feels very um, parang ganda ng vision, and you know, I'm Good I'm glad that. we picked her as our interviewee because I know you can you can really see her, you know, feeling her way through the film. I'm catching and, it later this week, so yeah. I'm excited. I know. Uh, okay, so good sure. first feature. Good first feature, but I hope this isn't. I hope this is a work in progress because it can even go Higher further. Pa. Yeah, because I know there are times where she pulls back. There are times where, sayang yung sound, especially mm. sound design. Parang you can do so much better with the sound design. Baka but budgetary constraints. Yeah, then. time constraints. But I mean, there was one film she in cinema that. one that was pulled out apparently because I know it wasn't finished. Ooh, showbiz cheese mess. <laughs> That's but no, I mean the, the filmmaker. Showbiz, <laughs> the filmmaker himself kind of like commented on Philbert's twi- Twitter. Right, I, oh. I think I saw that. After oh. Philbert's review is like, well, I only shot half the film. <laughs> I mean, I guess, and that that seems Poor to be guy. the running tale of this particular cinema one. Na parang did they? So I know that Eve mentioned before that it was a lot of movies were unfinished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's always chasing deadlines. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but I think this one but, more. But than even with even with even yeah. with Q, major gonna there. I think Cinema One actually had more, more longer time. lead time. Mm-hmm. And so, how was Sherry? Mashiri? Sherry was great. But you know that kid Janaga Agoncillo yeah. is amazing. But ano, the the way you know um, when you watch Sersha Ronan and. Um, atonement. Uh, in a, no, actually, yeah, in atonement, but especially I think in Brooklyn, na parang um, every frame you just, you know, you're, just you're, you're looking at her, at her uh, and you know she really commands the no? focus. Yeah, this kid is like what ten or something. Pero parang wow, ano to? Did My you, future ka kid. <laughs> si Jana was in the gala opening of the cinema once. So I was like, mm. I didn't know what she looked like, uh, mm. so I was just going, why is there a kid 
watching The Lighthouse, which is R16. <laughs> so I'm like, and then when when they were introduced as like the st- actors of, you know, of mm-hmm. Tia Madre, I was like, oh, that's Jan. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, I hope they, you know. Yeah, no. So, with the, no, with the, no, I think it was R13. R13, Yeah, but Dead Kids has hardly any violence and whatever, and it gets an R16. This well, one you has, know naman our famous double uh, standard here. Yes, I know. This one has uh my drugs fish, in, no? close up of a <laughs> no wala nga eh. wala Actually, oh pero may may use. teens committing violence because yeah. dead kids yeah. eh. but there's no mermaid we should have called badge. it nice kids <laughs> yeah that's true right and then they wouldn't bother watching it they'll just sleep no one during the screening and then it's okay PG-13 but it doesn't matter it's Netflix <laughs> naman eh but I was very worried about the ch- yeah it doesn't matter honestly that's why we did fight it but I yeah. was very worried about the child while watching the lighthouse yeah and like it's like there's holy some... but there's crap. no sex in the lighthouse right? oh the yeah. okay yeah. I, I don't know yeah. we don't know part of the cosmic horror I'll yeah. just read the wiki page no no, no. You, you should watch it it's watch not scary it. I, I actually do want to watch it and it's oh. I want to find the time mm. I want to have the time it's sort of unsettling it. lang. not really like mm. ah, it's not gonna affect your nightmares mm. So yeah. <laughs> how, how about you, Mel? What have you been let's up to? Let's moving on. Let's move on to Netflix because I I was sick last week, so mm-hmm. I just binged a lot of Netflix shows, and notably, I finished this the mini season of Queer Eye in Japan, mm-hmm. and Woo-hoo! I know you saw The King also. Mm-hmm. So okay, so I'll I'll go first with um, Queer Eye. So they shot this mini season in Japan. If you follow them on Instagram, they shot this around Feb or March. Um, it's like five episodes. It was I was actually afraid because it might be like cultural misappropriation or Mm-mm. it might be too white savior. I'm here to save your cultural, your Asian tendencies mm-hmm. and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I was surprised at how sensitive the queer eye guys handled all their cases. They had an interpreter so that everyone they interviewed spoke in Japanese and no need to force the English language. Mm-mm. And then they also had like a cultural interpreter in the form of Kiko Masuhara, who's like a famous Japanese American model. If you're a Queer Eye fan, I like this more than season three. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm Asian or because I just came back from Japan. So it was nice seeing the Japanese people interacting with the Queer Eye guys. But I really thought it was intimate and sensitive and very... Um, just very nicely handled, knowing that they're in foreign. That's foreign cool. Tokyo lang or just in uh, well, Greater Tokyo. You know how big Tokyo mm. is, so everything is says Tokyo, but it's like in a suburb, Mm-mm. maybe an hour away. Cool. Do you think that's something they're gonna continue with? Like, I hope so. I hope there's countries. gonna be a queer eye. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> But um, Japan is it was nice, yeah. really nicely handled, very touching, and you get to learn about their culture too. Hey, awesome! And then the king, the king, the king with so the beautiful boring. boy, <laughs> beautiful That's boy. So Wait, is it was it boring for you? Because I thought I it was so just bored. me. Hmm? I thought it was just me. Now why is why is mm-hmm. It's a compelling yeah. subject. I guess, but it's boring. <laughs> I mean, I guess... Okay, okay. Mm. Okay, my background, because I was the king, is uh, the reason why I wanted to see it was in high school, I was a big Shakespeare, Shakespeare fan. nerd. Wow. Like, I like watching high school the movies. Lang? What killed your uh, fandom? first year, second year, third year, fourth year, it's, it's part of your curriculum. It, yeah. So you want to watch the films and you want to watch the plays. 
And then because I was a Shakespeare fan, I watched Branagh's Henry V. Mm-hmm. And it's completely blown away. Have you ever seen that? Mm-mm. It's like it's like the adaptation for Henry V, Kenneth Branagh. And mm. even if you watch it now, because I rewatched it maybe a few months ago, it looks really dated. It looks 80s, but the fire and the brimstone and the passion is there. Henry V is that supposed story. to be the most charismatic leader you've ever met. That's mm. why he won all the battles. Mm. That's why he got all these English people to follow him. And I was so disappointed to see that in Chalamet's version, he's like this moping, brooding, sad kid. transition you know, drunk and <laughs> roaming yeah. the streets. That was parang, parang super leader. <laughs> Well, I felt like that was already sort of there. Like, mm-hmm. he was a reluctant leader, but a really good fighter, which mm-hmm. is, I think, why the troops sort of respected him in that. And then, parang there's a shot of, like, he can give a good speech, though. <laughs> so, Foss, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. And then, even see Mendelssohn is like, this guy, I see, sorry, see Sean Harris was mm-hmm. like, this kid can give a good speech. <laughs> so, parang, I think that, that respect was there where, like, you know, he's trying to give this kingly speech, but they respect him because he's fought battles with them on the field, talaga. So I didn't really look for necessarily that clean-up montage. But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. Although I did feel also now like some parts are slow. Like we're taking a bit long with in-between more major, I think, momentous occasions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I but the acting is really good there. Eh? I, I, I it was like It was co-written what... by Michaud and um, yes. C. Falstaff. Mm-hmm. C. Uh, C. Edgerton. Joel Edgerton. Yeah. Mm. As si Tommen, nakita niyo. <laughs> yes, as t- as Thomas. As, as yet another failed king. <laughs> and, and like, ano, eh, there, there Not even failed, but kind of like inasan mo na naman ako oh. like that. And then si Solomon Lane. No, <laughs> si, ano, Sean Harris. Sean Harris. Who, ano pala, ano? Parang, I always forget he's Ian Curtis in 24-hour yeah. party. Right? People. Oh, yeah, I love this guy. But let's talk about our pats because he yeah. was our pats. He's, he was my, he was my favorite thing movie. in the movie. He was my favorite thing in the movie only because it finally became alive. But it uh-huh. really felt like by the time he came in, it was like, oh, this is like an SNL skit. Because <laughs> it was so campy. His mm-hmm. Dufan. Yeah. He based it apparently on the people who dress him at Dior. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just loving that. Oh. Okay. Big balls. <laughs> <laughs> You will bleed. Your women will. <laughs> I also have a. <laughs> but I like that. Yeah, he was having so much fun with that. Hmm. When I read the letterbox review, na parang uh, Robert Pattinson appears more than an hour into this movie, edging. <laughs> but what about um like, uh, Lily Rose's Lily Rose? Is that her screen debut? No, no. She was Lily in, Rose. Um, she was in that movie with Natalie Portman. They were the and then oh. that other movie with ano, diba? with uh, Harley Quinn Smith. Uh. The Yoga Hosers, I think, is the kind of title. I, I, haven't, I haven't watched. Wait, it. did she play the the French girl? No. Where? In, in, in this movie. The, yeah, the, was, uh, in the, the yeah the wife at the end. Ah, uh, okay. The betrothed. Yeah. And then she's si, si sister, si Anne, the Thomas and Mackenzie. Yes. Really? <laughs> Who's also in Jojo Rabbit. Mm-mm. Super sayang. Honestly, because the subject matter is really supposed to be, it's supposed to really just be this passionate thing. And then it's so, it's like a doormat. But I think this yeah. one is more, 
even though it takes off from Shakespeare because my fall stuff, but I think it's uh isn't it more based on history than no it's know? it's really it's really um an adaptation of the Henriad, which is uh, Henry the Fourth mm. one and two and Henry the okay. mostly Henry the Fifth that battle strategy it's weird because it, it appears in so many other things but it's what um like Game of Thrones based. Battle of the Bastards. Battle of the Bastards yeah. on yeah, the Battle of the Bastards. Apparently, it happens frequently in England. Yeah. So it's also in uh, it's also in the Last Kingdom. It's mm-hmm. also in like the Dark Souls video game. But it's an origin story. Of that thing. It's also in Outlooking, which is also a Netflix original. But uh, no, no, like it, it's so funny how Game of Thrones basically spoiled you on battles. <laughs> like, parang you're watching it. It's a good battle, especially there's like that one long shot. But there's that shot but, that appeared diba? in Game of Thrones yeah. already. Yeah, battle. Oh, sa na lang. <laughs> diba? So it it kind of like it it isn't epic enough to like be an epic, and it isn't like tight enough to be. I mean, it isn't like small, intimate, and strange enough to be like the favorite. So, parang yeah, weird. And the paranoia conspiracy aspects could have been better handled. Mm. Yeah, or more intense. Yeah, because parang rug yun in the end, then, eh, no? huh? Well, I don't know. I, I knew a good. Nah, this guy's the bad guy. <laughs> but I'm well, like, be- just because it's Sean Harris. Kinda. Oh, spoiler, also, alert, spoiler. Sorry, spoiler alert. But also because like, who's the one being really nice? That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also know that someone's going to die. <laughs> what about T. Chalamet? Are you He's a good. Chalamet I, I, I like the acting of everybody involved. After watching this, I was like, okay, he can play Atreides for sure. He had a good acting. Atreides. Atreides. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, I mean, he's always good. He's always... I had to go into my Timothy Chalamet YouTube black hole after watching The King because mm. I am like 41, but I love him so much. My God. He's so beautiful to watch. Can't wait mm. for Little Women. So what is it, the androgyny? What's what's so on about? Probably him? the androgyny. And he looks like he's such a fun hang. For me, uh, mm-hmm. looks like a fun hang. He's Burkada with Kid Cudi. Mm. That's that an endorsement. Miller, yeah, yeah. That's an endorsement right there. <laughs> he stole Ezra Miller's Sano. Uh, <laughs> thunder. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, wait. This guy is even more interesting. Ezra than needs to choose better projects. But I have, and... I have like WhatsApp friends who, and they're all my age. And whenever Timmy shows up in a movie, mm-hmm. they'll text me like, oh my God, let's watch this, blah, blah, blah. He has his appeal for cougars. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't wait to see him as Laurie in uh, a month's yeah. time, hopefully. And yeah. that's Melozano, self-declared <laughs> cougar. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, well, I don't know. What, what else is coming up or showing? Oh, I, I did see Dr. Sleep. Um, you liked talked it. About, yeah, I super liked it. Like, I really, really liked it, actually. That's good. But, I don't know, um, it really feels like a superhero film. <laughs> Why is that? Why did you say that? Because I my thing, my subgenre is Stephen King, na, ano, psychic kids with abilities. Okay. Yeah. And this Fire is a psychic starter. kid with abilities movie. Yeah, and this is, yeah. So, oh. that, I don't even Very know much Why? more so than The Shining. Mm-mm, no? Parang... I don't. Although, do you think I like super loved it? But I think the weakest part is when he took on The Shining. When um, who took on? Okay. When Mike Flanagan, um, ah. basically the the last third mm. uh, oh, of the I, film. I, um, I don't know. Parang ano eh? Because it it became its own thing, talaga. Like like to a point where yes, you do need to see The Shining to kind of understand it. But um, it he it's not a Kubrick. Yeah, uh, very ano, much. So. And then in the end. Parang he tries to take on Kubrick. And it's like, oh man. You should now, have done now that. You, diba? Because then now you can see how far the two are. Parang ganun. So, yeah. 
ano and even the sets parang didn't look diba considering yeah. the higher budget parang may B movie quality feeling ko nga some of those are just chroma na mm-hmm. although I will say a slow moving box is one of my favorite things this year a slow moving box what's that mm-hmm. ah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things I've seen this year. Yes. But did they ever reference, like, did, did um, McGregor actually say The Shining? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's what he calls it, right? because that's what it was taught to him in, in The Shining. By, so we uh, call back to Yeah, yeah. And the that's bad like, guys call it something else. Eh? Yeah, it's steam. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, but my my vampire element. Yeah. Know? Like, so, like, if you're a hardcore Shining movie, a fan na ano just just keep an open mind and yeah. think of it this as like an homage na lang really has, a remix uh, uh, it really has different things on its mind eh. yeah and it's ano I like yeah you're right about the the ano um, it's more emotional yeah. it's more ano they, they give a damn about their characters yeah. so at least my heart <laughs> but you had to watch The Shining before you went to see Doctor Sleep yeah you should you yeah. really should like mm. it starts with a scene that's cut from The Shining eh. mm. oh yeah um, that they allude like to. archival footage? Yeah, they mention it, it but it's oh, never yeah. shown. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then here it's like you see what happened finally. And like, mm. wait, okay, yeah. And then there and then right after that is characters from The Shining. So it's like you better watch The Shining. Yeah. And which the you should anyway. Doctor Sleep is apparently the ending of the Shining book, no? But different lang yung character. I mean that, ah, ano, well, that's that's why I'm not so Stephen sure, but, King oh, yeah. hated the Shining movie because that that follow. that was that part was not there yeah. in the movie, and see, I know, like make reparations. But King he wants everybody also to be like friends. This movie, right? Hmm? Was no, King, King likes this movie. Movie. No, yeah, I King know. King likes this he one. Liked this one. Yeah. He's fine. He, yeah, well, he's mm-hmm. happy because Flanagan is is a King fan, yeah, so mm-hmm. he's very faithful. Usually, mm-hmm. he did Gerald's game. Yeah. So yeah, I'll catch it. It's not doing well. It's like twenty m yung opening. Like Terminator. Uh-oh. Terminator is just twenty m too. It's kind of scary. I man. was and surprised then, that, that mm-hmm. Doctor Sleep lost to Midway of all things. And what? Then, yeah. Really? Yeah. In the States? Number one. What's oh. Midway? The new Roland Emmerich. Mm-hmm. We didn't even. I've seen yeah. it, but I didn't even bother talking about it last time because. Uh, Roland Emmerich has a new movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's and not it's Hollywood not. movie. Yeah. It's all foreign Indie? funding. No. I mean, oh. it's like China. <laughs> okay. China making their own so mega it's, blockbuster. It's not. It's like 1917, but they call it Midway. But there are Philippines because in the trailer, no, the trailer, trailer, is, trailer it's yeah. like chock full there's, of Philippines. There's basically <laughs> one mention of the Philippines. So I'm like, but of course, they were they were trying to make it like super... Set in World War II. Yeah, the okay. Battle of Midway okay. after Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor is the beginning of the film. Okay. Starring on the Dario. Dario Noharis, the original. Oh. C.C. Ed Skrine, probably most famous as the bad guy in Deadpool. So and this movie Patrick made Wilson. money. Hmm? This movie is making money. Well, in the states, it's the f- it's the number one of the weekend. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm sure they're also planning on you know making most of the money internationally because it's like I mean uh, to be fair, the, the 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 battle scenes are fun. It's dog fights and it's not naman super halatang CG. Uh, it's super CG, but it's not bad CG. Okay, yeah. But it's a weird cast, you know. Yeah. Parang, it's it's led by Ed Skrine, but Ooh, Woody Patrick Harrelson's Wilson. in this, Patrick Wilson, <laughs> Ma- Mandy Moore, Whoa. Darren Chris. Oh. So I'm like, <laughs> and then, like f- and then there's a weird moment where the movie stops for like 20 minutes and becomes the Aaron Eckhart show. <laughs> lang, and then he's gone and then he never comes back. I'm like, what? Part of the early 2000 stars. It's a vehicle Sorta. for early 2000ers. Hmm. 
Oh my god. <laughs> oh, let's move on to our okay. interview. So, I know, but... Uh, what else what, are you looking what, forward what, to? Yeah. Well, the crown is next week. Yeah, boy. Mm-mm. Can't then wait. It was two years story, to wait. Marriage story, I think, at the end of the month. And then Coleman is another, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> uh-huh. The crown, and then what else? Marriage story? Yeah, at the end of the month. We just Noah has Bonner. some of the strongest Oscar buzz. <laughs> No, no. Which, Driver's gonna get it. Right so it's now. the new Noah Baumbach. Have you seen this trailer? No. Uh, no, no, sorry, no. Okay, I, so, I, yeah, I've been avoiding. Right. So it's like uh, basically Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson who are going through a divorce and Kramer then examining their relationship. And then one of the reviewers is like, it's such a great movie. And yes, I really want to know what Jennifer Jason Lee thinks about it. <laughs> Why Jennifer Jason Lee? Because she's ex-wife married to me, Noah Baumbach. Oh, Is he really? still with Gerwig? No, yes, married now with a kid. Baby. What? Uh, so Gerwig was directing Ger- uh, Little Women. She was pregnant. She didn't uh, tell anyone preggers. she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, and they only found out when she gave birth or something yeah. like that. Secret, secret marriage, secret birth. Oh my God. Love them. <laughs> power couple, no? Power. Uh, super power. But he really left. See, Laura, Laura Dern said na, basically she spent the whole year with the couple and then she wanted to be adopted by them because she went straight from Little Women to Marriage Story. And they collaborate on each other's projects, which is really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, yeah, Mistress America and Francis, Francis Ha. Francis I really ha. like top, top. Yeah. <laughs> Francis Ha was my favorite of mm-hmm. that year. What are the other releases? The Irishman is coming. The Irishman Ford is December. V Ferrari. Ford V yeah, Ferrari Ford, is next week. Is this, no, this week. This week, pala. Mm. So, and which is the Amazon new James Prime. Mangold. I know. Amazon Prime is The Report, another Adam Driver. Star. Yeah. Another Adam Driver, and it's the first film of Scott Z. Burns as director. He's a frequent collaborator with Soderbergh. He wrote, I know, uh, The Laundromat, The Informant, mm. and uh, Side Effects. Yeah. Any theatrical releases apart from Ford v Ferrari? Oh, Frozen 2. My daughter is right. mm. completely yeah, into two. it. What's that? I should, I should have my Codigo here, usually. <laughs> but, um... Well, uh, I know. I know it's coming out. Knives Out soon. <gasps> yeah. Chris Evans! That's true. But Knives Out is also under Pioneer. So oh I'm looking God. forward. Have you seen For the trailer, trailer that they cut? Huh? Have you seen the trailer that they For cut? For Knives Out? Yeah. Oh, no. it's hilarious. Why? No, I know. Pioneer has... Sorry, guys. So listen, anyone from Pioneer Films <laughs> listening, you guys have the worst trailers. As in, they really recut worst the trailer. Worst or best? Worst. <laughs> so, yeah, so bad. How it's good. How can you recut Chris Evans? No, there's no, 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 yung, no, yung that logo it. spy, that Lego type spy movie. Playmobil. Yeah, the yeah. Playmobil movie. Like, move aside, James Bond. Be afraid, Ethan Hawke. <laughs> Ethan, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, parang no one, no one, no one checked about Ethan Hawke versus Ethan Hunt. So yeah. somehow that got through. And then they did Midway, and then it's like literally three minutes of badly like a history lesson with Philippines in the war. Yeah. So basically saying, yeah, the Philippines is part of this war. There's also a dance movie. I love it. Did you see the yeah. films? Please invite us to the premiere yeah. of Knives Out. Yeah. So they recut the Knives Out trailer. Yeah. Why did it? No, they, they have to make these trailers na panlasang Pinoy. Otherwise, you know, no one's going to watch Knives Out. True. Even though Dungeons and Captain America and James Bond. Walang manunod niyan kung walang trailer. I saw trailer. the poster, which is like bad. Well, it's, uh, is it like... Reimagined. Other, other, co- other, other companies do that also. Eh, <laughs> diba? like, the best one was Green Book when they, uh, when they laid out Green Book. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget when they added 
a dinosaur and a gun to the poster of the Tree of Life. It's <laughs> my favorite. I, I was like, cool lang nalang put the gun in the dinosaur's hand. Ako yung seven, I really remember from my from my youth. Because he's topless, right? Explosion, may explosion. Ah, tablets yeah, si Brad Pitt. Si Brad Pitt. <laughs> may explosion sa likod. And I remember watching the movie and in the theater, the guy behind me, tang, enough, detective movie pala to eh. <laughs> What? <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> Please invite us to the Knives Out screening, guys. Please. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, soon we'll be doing shout out pala to the review. Shout out pala to the, the two tall foreigners who, was, who, uh, who watched um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. <laughs> Why? Oh. And then uh, oh. I, I, heard them in the, <laughs> I heard them in the bathroom talking about this versus Midsummer, And then Portrait wins. And then this versus Joker. And then... Portrait wins, <laughs> but then which is which is right. It should win, but mm. then he followed up with, "I mean, Joker's wonderful, but this is me too." Like, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, okay, so uh, soon we'll be doing our decade in review: best movies, best shows, best albums. So please tweet us um, some of your choices, or maybe we should make a Facebook group. I don't know. Ooh, find the watch. Should we? I don't know. Like, I think we should because uh, Star yeah. Wars is coming out and then the people are going to start again that secret group of Star Wars. So we might as well have like yeah. a pop culture. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah. Send us your favorites of the decade. Um, but in the meantime, we have an interview with Isabel Sandoval um, who was just, I uh, know, her, her film Lingua Franca was part of Q Cinema. Yep. And I know. It, uh, it's doing the festival rounds now. Yeah. So uh, she, she did Venice, um, and then she also did BFI. So a lot of major festivals. Yep. So thank you, Germany. Isabel, for, for taking the time to be with us. And here we go. Hello. We're back. Oh, we're starting. Okay, yeah, we're starting. <laughs> we're at Anne Slate, and we're here with the internationally acclaimed director, Isabel Sandoval, who just released her new film, Lingua Franca. Hello, Isabel. Hey. Hi, Clark. I'm on things. Like, wow, internationally acclaimed? That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, because you, <laughs> you premiered at Venice. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Competition. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, it was at, it went to BFI, and then yes. Busan. So it's most recently Busan, and now in Q Cinema. Yes, and now yes. Q Cinema, uh, and then after that, a whole lot of other festivals, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, how how's that? How's it been so far? How's that? Uh... Um, frankly, overwhelming. Um, of course, it's an incredible honor, you know, to premiere world premiere in Venice, and it's part of the Giornata degli Autori sidebar. In competition, and you know, like when I was told in mid July that no, in mid June that we were shortlisted, so I had a few sleepless weeks until they told us that we actually got in. And apparently, they chose 11 out of 900 feature submissions. Wow, for Venice! Wow, yeah. Crazy. And, you know, since then, it's like, after that, we were able to land a prestigious art house sales agent based in Paris, Luxbox. They usually represent, you know, titles from Cannes, Berlin, Venice. And since then, we've booked, you know, we pretty much booked almost all the major European festivals. Wow. And um, we're about to have a U.S. premiere. It hasn't been formally announced yet, but... 
it will be in the next few days. And this is actually like my, the Philippines is my fifth country in the last two weeks. So <laughs> I've had, you know, jet lag on top of jet lag. I flew from New York to Hamburg for the German premiere and then to London, to Busan, to here. <laughs> and then we had our Philippine premiere just the other night. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And how was that? How was the reception? How was um, the crowd? It's great. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a weeknight, so I think it was a little over half mm-hmm. full. But it's just kind of surreal, mm-hmm. you know, to be back in the Philippines after six years, yeah. you know, post gender transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, but it's you know quite um, a gratifying feeling as well to be able to bring the film back to you know my kababayans. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Lingua Franca. Yeah. Lingua Franca is a uh, drama. Mm-hmm. It's a noirish drama, I think. I'd like to say about an undocumented Filipino trans woman who works as a caregiver to a Russian Jewish lady with dementia in Brooklyn. And in the process of trying to get legal status, the trans woman becomes emotionally involved unwittingly with the re- the slaughterhouse worker grandson of the old lady. <laughs> so that's the basic premise of the film. But, you know, it was kind of calculated in my part because I wanted to use a gritty, kind of grimy, almost sensationalistic premise on paper mm-hmm. that basically is like a distillation of third world cinema and use that opportunity to subvert expectations. I try to infuse you know, um, a sensuality, a lyricism, a sense of poetry and hushed intimacy to it. So I think that's the reason why, you know, the programmers at like Venice and London responded to the film because it is a different kind of Filipino cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was kind of like the, um, impetus around the, the, what, what, what inspired the film? Um, it is not autobiographical, but you know, I am a transgender, you know, Filipina immigrant filmmaker in New York City. And, you know, just, I think, being incredibly aware of the changes that I've experienced emotionally, psychologically. So I kind of use that as, like, a perspective and the vantage point of this character. So it's actually more of a psychological drama, especially as it goes along. Um, yeah, and I wanted to also make a film that was topical mm-hmm. and resonant, um, probably because it is a story that needs telling, and also it is the kind of film that I think would, you know, get grant support, mm-hmm. which it has, and mm-hmm. we've actually gotten over a hundred thousand dollars in grant money. Oh, nice. Lingua Franca. Okay. Could you take us through the timeline for a bit? Like, uh, how long ago did you start thinking of this project? Um, I started thinking about the project in 2015, you know, and it's evolved quite a lot. Um, but it was always set in Brighton Beach. Um, what about Brighton Beach was appealing to you? 
it was actually I'm a big fan of James Gray's oh, you know okay. the <laughs> simple reason um, you know Two Lovers mm-hmm. is one of my favorite films and it's set right in Vine Beach yeah. and I actually met James Gray at the New York premiere of The Last City of Z at oh. Metrograph and August Cruz was there oh, wow. as well so well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes and yeah I you know Brighton Beach always felt like kind of a romantic place to me and I wanted to make a New York City movie that was not your typical New York City movie right. you know when you think of New York City it's always like the skyscrapers the Empire State Building yeah or you know girls in Williamsburg <laughs> but you know I wanted to kind of show a different facet of New York City like the less glamorous but still kind of um, beguiling and romantic side to it and Brighton Beach slash Coney Island in a way feels like it's stuck in the 50s mm-hmm. and 60s so I all, it also felt like I was making a period film in some sense mm-hmm. yeah I love the shots of like Brighton Beach and the Manada that, that there's a long shot um, I think you were about to board the train yeah. mm-hmm. uh, by the way Isabel is also the star <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk about directing yourself um, in a bit but um were you like um, research wise like there's there's a lot of milieu in the film the slaughterhouse um, at the caregiving um, how much research did you put into that or and, and how much was from personal experience um, yeah I mean most of it is really research you know mm. like working with um, someone with dementia caring for someone with dementia I did a lot of research I interviewed you know caregivers as well mm-hmm. um I know someone who's, you know, paid another, you know, an American citizen for a green card. So, uh, you know, an arranged marriage. And, you know, I also, you know, looked up videos of slaughterhouses and what kind of work there is there. But, you know, my stories, I always try to, you know, it's probably contrary to, like, popular knowledge. But I don't just, you know make films that are based on my personal experience but you know some you know stories that kind of take me out of my comfort zone you know mm-hmm. I would never seriously consider working in a slaughterhouse <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know those worlds are very fascinating to me mm-hmm. yeah and um, how about Russian crime there's a, there's a little bit of that especially in the early drafts I don't know if you know yes. this actually, but I've actually gone through you know read yeah. through so many versions and seen yeah. so many versions mm-hmm. of the film mm-hmm. um, it's funny because the film also has changed quite a bit in post-production you know um, and I consider you know writing like the shooting and editing are really just three different stages of writing mm-hmm. editing is writing in post and you know, have you make adjustments based on the kind of footage and the quality of footage that you come up with. And I think that the, you know, the subplot about the Russian mafia didn't really make sense in the final cut. And, you know, apart from the relationship between the trans woman and the slaughterhouse worker, the relationship between the trans woman and the old lady was also a lot more developed you know, in the writing stage, but I felt like um, when we shot the scenes, you know, one of our actors was kind of a wild card. <laughs> and so that's the improv 
What's that? A lot of in, a lot of improv was involved. Um, yeah, and planned improv <laughs> was involved. So I ended up just cutting it out and deciding based on the footage that I have, the kind of movie, the best kind of movie that I can make. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, you were. Your cinematographer is Isaac Banks? Yes. And this is his first feature then, right? It is his first feature. Um, you, and you mentioned earlier about wanting to have more sort of uh, sensuous, more lyric- a sort of lyricism in, in the film. How did you convey that to Isaac, and how did you work together? Um, we... You know, I told him to watch a lot of Wong Kar Wai, <laughs> who he is already a fan of, but... Yeah, I mean... I think what I learned most about the three films that I've directed so far is that, you know, I like to think I'm a visual storyteller. Um, when I have a screenplay, I almost end up shooting the final film with at least 20% less dialogue because mm-hmm. I want to convey the story, you know, through visual means. And, like, for example, my first feature, Senorita, which debuted in Locarno, I thought the cinematography was just really blah. Mm-mm. You know, the camera was just there. Mm-mm. And like with Apparition and this one, I feel like I'm really using the camera to kind of tell the story dramatically. And, you know, I just felt like exploring the sensuality of the situation and the relationship to the characters and using those camera movements to kind of convey the burgeoning, I guess, you know, erotic and romantic tension mm-hmm. between the two characters. And speaking of, um, uh, Senorita, you were also acting in Senorita. Yes. <laughs> Which, I, to be honest, I could barely watch now because I feel like I've also evolved quite a lot as a filmmaker mm-hmm. since then. And uh, how, and you're, you're starring um, in, in Lingua Franca, how is it, I've always wondered, like, how, how does one go about directing oneself? Um, for me, I don't, you know, like, editing, writing, directing, and performing are, I think, part of the same thing, which is, to me, making a film and to be a complete author Mm-mm. of your work. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, Tourist directors also act in their films, like Rainer Werner Fassbender. Mm-hmm. Um, more recently, Xavier um, Dillon. And mm-hmm. I consider it, you know, performance is one aspect mm-hmm. of telling a story. And for this one, I felt it makes sense for me to do that because it kind of fit my profile. And it also, I made very deliberate, you know, choice and style and performance, mm-hmm. which, you know, might be divisive and polarizing. Um, some people love it. Some people do not like it. But I wanted to do a performance that was kind of a non-performance. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of... I'm very aware that a lot of, you know, films featuring trans characters in, say, Filipino cinema always are very loud and flamboyant, and it's a big performance. Mm-hmm. And I'm just... You know, I want people to see her as an immigrant. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to play the character in a way that she's not afraid of being unattractive mm-hmm. or even unlikable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the choice that I made. And I think it helps really set the mode, the mood and the tone of the film as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, what, uh, okay, well, speaking of um, trans characters, I mean, there's so much. Um, you're directing this film and mm-hmm. acting in this film as a minority, not only um, as, a, as a trans woman, but also as a uh, person of color and also as someone who's an immigrant also, yeah. basically. So what, what is that like in, in uh, directing a film in the U.S. in Trump's America, basically, right. as, as all those things? Um, it's so weird because, you know, when I'm here in the Philippines, I'm like, I'm not even conscious of those things, you know, mm-hmm. except for maybe the trans one because mm-hmm. I feel like here it's a lot less <laughs> progressive in that sense. Mm-hmm. But, you know... It, it is a lot more and a lot less. Yeah, right? but mm-hmm. also in the U.S., I'm not especially conscious of that because I live in New York City. And I think I mentioned the car. It's like New York City is not America. It's like living in a bubble. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what's great about that is that as a minority filmmaker, I even call myself like a gold star minority Mm -hmm. because I'm a woman who's trans Mm -hmm. and a person of color and an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Intersectionality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it also, you know, gets my foot in the door of, you know, sure. you know, institutions like Tribeca Film Institute, you know, mm-hmm. who really champion and support emerging minority filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And um, was, was it... Um Challenging, kind of like working um, in in the U.S. Um, or was it not you? None of you guys were none of you, the producers, Jeff, Darlene, etc. Was that not something that was that caused anxiety? Like just 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 to tackle a lot of these things, you no know, um, discrimination and um, uh, you know the the whole ICE thing mm-hmm. and. Uh, um. You know, like, there were, there's probably like six months when I shelved Lingo Franca, and this was around the time of the 2016 presidential election. Oh, wow. You know, there was a lot of, you know, as an immigrant, I was feeling, you know, as, you know quite vulnerable. Mm-mm. You know, it's like, is this the kind of story that I want to tell now and, you know, make myself a target? Mm-mm. But then, you know, my, one of my producers um, pretty much, you know, told me, like, you know, if there's a time to make this film, it is now. And, I thought the producer, you know, was right. So mm-hmm. we ended up deciding to go for it. And very, very lucky because, you know, we had actors who were, you know, attached themselves early on in the project because they believed in mm-hmm. what the film was trying to say. Like Lynn Cohen, who was in Sex in the City, recently um, Master of None, mm-hmm. and the Hunger, Hunger Game, Games movies. She was one of the earlier actors that we cast. Mm-hmm. And then Eamon Farron, Ashley... You know, audition for the role mm. um, wow. because we offered it to another actor in his agency, and his agent sent him the script. He loved it, so he sent a self tape, mm. and then we skyped, and Mm-mm. yeah, we hit it off. So he became part of the film. I also have an actor from the Americans, Lev Gorn, mm. who plays a slaughterhouse manager. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah, part. and what the beauty of it all is that they, you know. They are doing it for scale Mm-mm. because they love the material. Great. And I feel, you know, vindicated because the movie premiered in Venice. Mm-mm. Like, you know. Nice. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it uh, speaking of like working with Eamon Farron, for example? Like, what what was that like? I mean, especially Eamon Farron is a rising star. Yes. He's going to be in Witcher. Yeah. Um, actually, when I when I found out that he was part of the film, I was so thrilled because I'm you know Twin Peaks yeah. is my favorite thing in the world, mm-hmm. and it's like oh my god, it's the son of Audrey Horn. <laughs> it's Richard Horn. So, um, what was it like working with with such a stellar cast? I just thought of myself as, you know, I tried not to be starstruck, I guess. <laughs> and I think it's it was easy on set to do that because I was kind of wearing multiple hats. You know, I was directing and also acting. So it was just a matter of really being in the moment with these actors and relating to them as, like, you know, the characters in my film. Mm-hmm. But they're all incredibly professional. And also, you know, a delight to work with. So it was a breeze. Yeah. Um, was there any? Uh, you, you said like you, there was a difficult. Well, there was a there was an actor acting up. <laughs> How do you deal with that? Like when when there's as a director when when there are things that are there are unforeseen um, obstacles, I guess, or challenges. Um, you know, you. I'm never the type of director to blow up. Mm-hmm. At actors, especially not, you know, actors of, you know, that stature. But, mm-hmm. you know, like if you to talk to them and you coach them and they still don't, you know, get it, you know, after a few takes, you really just have to, like, you know, adapt and move on and make mm-hmm. note of that in post. Because, you know, it's an independent film and you don't have the luxury of time or the money mm-hmm. to keep reshooting it. And I think... You know, one of my strengths as a director, is, if I can say so myself, is that I'm pretty flexible. You know, I can adapt mm-hmm. to situations. And you have to be when you're an independent filmmaker. Yeah, true. How long was the writing process? Um, probably two years on and off. But because I was also writing it, you know, the, the tail end of my transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so just, all the, just these things like the, your transitioning and then also the election, mm-hmm. it all sort of feeds into the script. And then did it change much before you had found uh, financing and started to shoot? Um, at that point, it was, I think it was 80% there mm-hmm. at that point, yeah. Wow, and I I do remember earlier drafts where um, there there was um, much more. Um, I don't even know if this this you you ended up shooting this, but there was um, this this obstacle to uh, your characters um, getting the, her her um, green card. Mm-hmm. Like um, she was being threatened, and um, yeah. by by the friend I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wow, repressed court. See, I remember. See, I remember. Um, um, <laughs> Yeah, what, did you take that? I, I know, I know you took that out, but was yeah. it script stage or was that um, post stage? Um, that was script stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I essentially made that into like Eamon's character, like mm-hmm. that thing about he was trying to like you know, blackmail her. Mm-hmm. I had you know Eamon's character mm-hmm. do that because I thought it was you know more intense mm-hmm. that way, and it made the film kind of more both claustrophobic and intimate in the sense like it's really personal it's really between the two of them mm. you know? and it's you know it's a matter of you know Eamon's character kind of 
you know, leveraging his privilege as a white cisgender mm-hmm. American citizen mm-hmm. to exploit the anxieties and paranoia of mm-hmm. a character like Olivia. Mm-mm. And um, what, what else? There's a bunch of stuff that that I was uh, yeah. And then uh, Eamon's character does end up fighting. That, that did that end up in the final? Like like there was like a fist fight or um, a, an attack, right? No. Um, no, because I feel like, and this is the thing I realize about me too, as like my sensibilities that I make dramas of interiority. Mm-hmm. I make you know, I have. Inward characters Mm-mm. that don't necessarily have the emotional tools or the sophistication to articulate, you know, mm-hmm. to sort out what they feel, mm-hmm. let alone articulate them. And that's what happens in the film. You know, mm-hmm. both Olivia, because of her shame, I guess, in being trans and undocumented, and, you know, Alex's shame in, you know, being find out, found out that he might be you know, attracted to a trans woman. Mm-mm. And it's because of these things that they withhold from each other Mm-mm. that kind of drive the drama and the tension in the film. So Lingua Franca is ironic Mm-mm. because, you know, Lingua Franca, English, the British language among immigrants in the U.S., but, you know, the most important and fundamental things between Alice and Olivia are, you know, kept unsaid mm-hmm. and unarticulated. Nice. Um, Is that a running through line that you're, you were mentioning about, like the emotional dramas of interiority and and uh, people who don't have the emotional tools? Is that a through line for most of your films? Yeah, I mean, because it's like it's also like a very easy way to psychoanalyze yourself. Yeah, I mean, you know, my undergrad degree is in psychology, and mm-hmm. you know, I read somewhere that you know directors or artists make the same film over and over again. You know, mm-hmm. it's just over. The course of, you know, your work, your technique, your style may become more subtle and nuanced and developed. And, you know, like last year, I was, you know, I went to MoMA for the retrospective on Lee Chang-dong's work. I'm a Mm -hmm. big fan of Lee Chang-dong. And, you know, like in his very first film, I thought it was very crude and sloppy. But over time, you know, it's really the same Issues and neuro- neuroses that you revisit, mm-hmm. but you know it's just a lot more, you know, mature and refined. And you know that's how I felt about my work too. Like this realizing it's more like an epiphany. Like it was never conscious on my part, but then I realized like this is my shtick, you know, mm-hmm. as a director. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you don't notice it, but it kind of just like snuck up on me. Like you know, this is the kind of thing that I'm obsessed with as but a director. So I'm a fan of Apparition, as I am a fan of, of Lingua Franca. Um, Apparition, by the way, um, I love that one-minute slapping scene between... Yeah. Although, <laughs> you know what? Me. Okay. Uh, I yeah. find Apparition kind of one-note now. Um, but, okay. Uh, no, but... I, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's all right. I mean, to, to sort of... Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a good sign, I think, to, to look on your password and realize, ah, I could have done better. It means you're growing also. Yeah. You're, you're, you, know, you know, people love it. Um, mm-hmm. But I also feel like, you know, it's kind of like building up to that one thing, you know. And But I think Lingua Franca, on the other hand, is like the characters have these, you know, subtle psychological turns. More layers. Yeah. Um, but you were saying... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. What, what, uh, what, what, do you, what did you see? Like, looking back at Abrishon and Senorita and, 
en lengua franca, what is the through line? Um, you know, like, aparición, it's about, you know, the, the senior nuns witnessing the rape mm -hmm. and not being able to, like, you know, mm. deal with it and come to terms with it to themselves because they didn't help, you know, the young nun. And señorita, it's about, it's a kind of quintessential noir narrative in that it's, you know, a woman with a past and her past catches up with her, but she's also trying to look after this small kid who doesn't know of her checkered past, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And yeah, things mm -hmm. come to head. You know how mm -hmm. it works, yeah. Okay. Hidden things, bro. Yeah. Okay. And I think also, and I think it's also because I'm a Pisces, not to go new age or new age, but you know, yeah. But what I, I liked about the final cut of, of Lingua versus um, the earlier drafts is that um, there there was the Alex's uh, realization. It, it's he realizes earlier on that Olivia Strands no? in in the in the final cut. Um, whereas uh, someone, uh, his friend, kind of lays like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I saw the passport of, of that lady you're dating, mm -hmm. and so it, it's kind of like a revelation in an earlier draft. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think it's it's a lot more nuanced um, mm -hmm. and a lot more, yeah, like what you said, interior, yeah. you know, that that okay, yeah. uh, he's known, mm -hmm. he, and yeah. and it's, less, yeah. it's not it's a non-issue. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, mm -hmm. and then and, and so you kind of just follow his thought process, and, yeah. Uh, so that, that that was a really good move, <laughs> I feel. Um, wow, this is like a review of the movie now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm like giving out spoilers. <laughs> Should we spoiler warning this? I don't. Is, is uh, Lingua Franca coming out uh, for a regular run in the Philippines? Um, well, see, I mean, we haven't uh, thought about it uh, mm -hmm. that much yet, uh. My when I made Lingua Franca, I really was, you know, thinking more of the English language market mm -hmm. for it because I am based in the U.S. and I do want to have, you know, a sustainable career as a filmmaker there. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very, very excited that it's gotten French distribution. It's coming out in French cinemas in Feb or March next year, mm -hmm. but it will Fantastic. have a different title. Oh. It's going to be called Brooklyn Secret. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's. I mean, yeah. you know, what is that? Lingua franca is a term that's probably closer to the French, uh, you know, roots. You right? think, right? <laughs> um, really thought it was too many. <laughs> <laughs> it's an English, but it's called lingua franca. And it's yeah. yeah, and we're talking to a really reputable art house, you know, distributor in the U.S. So fantastic. Um, Sam, very excited about that. Uh, and um, okay, I. I'm gonna ask the question. I don't know if people What's ask the you. <laughs> I don't know if people ask you this in in the Q and oh A's God, after the film. <laughs> but that love scene was teeming. <laughs> and how? Number one. Okay, like, let I'm, me I'm, ask okay. though. What's teeming about it? Or I don't know. I just I just <laughs> felt like it was very super intimate. Super intimate and super. Wow, fooled yeah. you guys, I guess. What? <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've directed love scenes, and I'm, I'm always naiilang when I direct a love scene, but na you directed and acted in a love scene. So, yeah, I mean, what, was, what was that like? Um, it's so weird, because I actually was like, you know what, I can do this, and I told my crew that I'm going to shoot this in the first day, <laughs> which was, I've never, you know... Yeah. 
done any love scene of any sort before. Mm-mm. So that was just a strategic move to shoot it on the first day. Yeah, because I was like, you know what, I'll just get it over and done with right. so that I don't have to like, you, you know, know, dread that. You don't know each other yet, so there won't be that. Um, yeah. Sort of, uh, yeah. Was, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was bizarre because, you know, although there were maybe like, you know, just two, three other people in, you know, on the set when we shot it, I just felt weird about, you know, like exposing myself because I knew that, you know, it's going to end up in the film. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of for a few days I was feeling bad because I felt like I hashtag me to myself and had no one else to blame because I'm the director, you know. <laughs> Um, so you felt exploited by yeah, Isabel. Exactly. Like I exploited myself. <laughs> and But I was asking the AD, like, because I didn't really want to shoot the sex scene, you know, like all these different shots. Like I was telling him, like, what can I do or what can we do without showing that much, without showing the actual, you know, kind of simulated sex thing to make it sexy Mm-mm. and, you know, erotic. So I had to do a lot of that with my face. Mm-mm. You know, like, I told him, like, maybe you want to put your finger in my mouth. <laughs> so, and I, you know, I wanted to make that scene about the pleasure of the trans woman, which is something that I don't think I've ever seen on film before. Mm-mm. Yeah. Wow. So it wasn't this heavily choreographed um, before the shoot day? So just, just um, figuring it out on set? Or? We talked about it, mm-hmm. um, Eamon and I, and then, you know, that was the last scene that we shot on the first day. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of blocked it for mm-hmm. half an hour, mm-hmm. 45 minutes. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. And then transitioning, speaking of transitioning, um, there's a lot of scenes. Um, the, the, the dilator? Mm-hmm. Is it the, yeah, um, where, where you go really intimate in, in showing, um, uh, basically what, what a trans woman goes through. Mm-hmm. What, was that something that, that you, uh, had in mind, like from concept, from inception or, um, go ahead. Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to, because a lot of, I f- think, films about, transgender women are kind of like transgender 101 mm-hmm. you know and you know it's kind of explaining like oh this is what a trans person but I kind of want to do it from my perspective like the dilation scene some people didn't get that and I felt like I didn't have to explain to them yeah. you know and it's just like normal life yeah mm-hmm. you know she's living her life and you know sometimes people don't understand if you're using a dilator or a dildo and that's mm. not necessarily my problem <laughs> yeah okay well thanks um, oh my gosh are we really <laughs> ending with that no, question no, 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 no. no we're not we're not ending what I wanted to ask well thank you for the dildo or dilator uh, no I, I wanted to ask um, what, what, what's next for, for you um I'm very happy about Lingo Franca in that it's kind of become a calling card film for me. Um, I'm working a few projects, um, one of which is a um, noir series that I'm developing with a British executive producer that's set in L.A. in the late 70s about, you know, serial killings. Uh, so we are starting to shop that around. I'm also meeting with a prospective manager next month. Fantastic. In LA and 
yeah, I mean, since the film has been picked up by a French distributor, the distributor is also a producer. And actually, a film that he produced in Venice won a major prize. So he's expressed interest in reading a script of mine. And I'm actually doing, I thought, a script that would, you know, be very well received in European um, film markets and labs as a colonization Mm -mm. drama, surreal colonization Mm. Drama set in the 17th century, you know, with I'm gonna cast it with, you know, some American or British actors mm. and some local talent, but I'm gonna shoot it in the jungle, so it's still gonna be cheap, mm. but it's in English language. And so, yeah, I'm trying to develop that over the next year. I also very um, fortunately won a screenwriting grant. Uh, for $20,000 for another drama that I'm supposed to write in the winter. So um, I have like three projects in development. That is so, that's a dream. Just like, yeah, I'm very excited. Has, has yeah. so many things up your sleeve. and Because yeah. Yeah. my goal with Lingua Franca is, you know, with kind of a small budget to show potential producers you know what I'm capable of as a Mm-mm. director and it's great that I have complete you know, creative control and to have my vision validated by the likes of Venice in London mm-hmm. and I also I hope to collaborate because the cinematographer of First Reformed mm-hmm. actually saw um, a cut of Lingua Franca Trebeca as well and he likes it a lot so he's expressed interest in oh, collaborating wow. in the future so that is great. Yeah. On, on a personal note, I remember um, we, we first met in, I think it was um, very near Bowery, Christie, that area. Um, yes. You know, it was at a talk by Wong Kar Wai. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then you had not done your first film yet. You yes. just came up to um, to me and then introduced yourself. But you were already a star at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we were just like Wong Kar Wai fans. You know? But it was so great. It's so great like seeing you, Venice and Busan and... Uh, three films and kind of like very internationally known. I'm so happy. I'm so happy for you. And Thank you. And so excited <laughs> for everyone to watch Lingua Franca. It's such a delight to be here and to talk to you, Quark and to Ramon. So thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay, that's it. That's it for this week. Was it? Yes. Was that it for this week? I think so. Okay. Next week, maybe a review for Ford v Ferrari. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the crown, I think. Not yet. That's at, the, that's at the end of the week, eh? so we won't. November seventeenth. I don't know. Sorry. Is it the end of this week? Seventeen, no? Yeah. So we well, can review maybe the first. Week. I'm probably yeah. gonna watch it in one day. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Grab it, You go, girl. Me and British accents. I'm in. <laughs> All in. Well, then you love the lighthouse. Probably. I don't know. And you should watch the witch. <laughs> See you next Start week, on guys. YouTube. <laughs> Bye, oh. Thank <laughs> you.